So today, uh, Colossians chapter 4 will also be in those other verses that are behind me. Um, so I talked about uh, just this idea of that God's bigger than our worry, our anxiety, our fear, our addiction. Um, and I want us to talk a little bit about what that, what does it look like to be free from that? You know, Todd mentioned our mission statement is that we want to share our lives in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ and to set captives free. And so that means to set people free um, from, yes, free from hell, but also free from just worry and busyness. And that I think so many of us are conditioned um, towards busyness. That's why some of y'all literally aren't even listening to me right now, because you're already planning lunchtime. On, did I just get, did I call anyone out just then? Honestly, who's already thinking about this afternoon? Yeah, that you're already like, come on, let's move this along, let's do it. And that we can't even slow down and enjoy things that are happening right now because our, our culture disciples us every second of every day. Faster, faster, faster. Hurry up and start so we can hurry up and finish. And that is why so many of us and you are completely exhausted. And, and there's, there's no life there. And there's no freedom. And yes, you're going to heaven. Yes, the Holy Spirit's alive in you. But that's why so many, so many believers, that there's just no life in them. They are so tired. They are so tired. And we've bought into the lie that our busyness gives us value. And that the things that we do gives us value. And we've, we've believed that lie. And so uh, today I want to hopefully... Uh, hopefully you can take some of that burden off of you. Because some of y'all, everybody walked through those double doors right there. And some of y'all carried in such, like some of y'all are carrying incredible burdens. Like unbelievable. Just your schedules, your calendar, the things you've got to do. And some of y'all are, are, and by the way, you're not designed to do that. Like I said last week, remember, it's like if, if I bought a 67 Corvette Stingray and I hook a trailer up to it, a 16-foot trailer full of tools, it's not going to operate the way it's supposed to because it's not designed to do that thing. And this thing that is actually perfectly designed to do this thing over here, this car, when I expect it or ask it to do this thing over here, it will never do it and I will end up frustrated and I will just look for somebody to blame. And so that's why some of y'all, when you walk through that door, I mean, you have the weight of the world on your shoulders and, you, and, and the world just keeps piling more and more things on, more and we just say, okay, okay. And some of us, we're exhausted. And the reason it is because you are a Corvette pulling a 16-foot trailer full of tools. You are not designed to do that. It's not God's design, and that's why you're exhausted. And yeah, do you arrive at the job site? Yeah, you do. If I, if I had a Corvette for work, could I pull up to a job site with my trailer? I really could, but it, it would not function the way it's designed to. And let me say this also. There's nothing wrong with that Corvette. Are you all with me on this? It, what's wrong is the burden that I've placed it under. There's nothing wrong with that vet. It's running exactly how it's supposed to. What is not operating is the expectation that I've placed on it. And so you guys, the world's going to tell you you're broken, you're messed up, but it's also constantly going to barrage you with more stuff. And then it's going to look at you and say, how come you're not performing? Why, why aren't you doing? Look at everybody on Facebook. Look what they've accomplished. Look at your friend's house. Look how it's bigger. 
Look at the cars. Look at their perfect kids. Why aren't you performing? Whose fault is that? It's not yours. Are you broken? No. You're actually you're a very well-engineered machine, that, but you're not designed to do the things the world's putting you under. So anyways, look at chapter 4, verse... Um, uh, start in verse 15. That's where we left off last week. This is Paul saying, Give my greetings to the brothers uh, at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that uh, in her house. Verse 16, After this letter, now listen to this, has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church at Laodicea and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. And so this uh, letter was intended to go to the church at Colossae, but it was also intended to go to this other church just down the road. And notice Paul says, oh, hey, by the way, I also wrote another letter to that church, and I want you to make sure you read that. That other letter is most likely the book of Ephesians, okay? That the books of Ephesians was not actually directed towards Ephesus. It was more of a circular letter. And so that's what that's talking about, this other letter. And then look at verse 17. This is Paul speaking. He says, Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And so we're just going to really look at verse 17 uh, today. Okay, so it says, Tell Archippus. So, so stop there. Archippus, we don't know a lot about this guy, uh, but what we know is that he's some sort of church leader, okay? He's some guy that he was in charge of uh, some sort of ministry, and he had some work in front of him to do, and Paul is exhorting him uh, to finish that work. And so he was a guy that he was in full-time ministry, and it reminds me, I just, I just thought of this. Is anybody in this room, have, has anyone in here ever been in full-time ministry? I can't remember. Who in here has been in full-time? Who is currently in full-time ministry? I can't remember. Who in this room is in full-time? Okay, that's right. Yes, yes, of course. We're all in full-time ministry. There's no such thing as part-time ministry. It's not. Because everything that we do preaches. Everything that we do. And we'll see that um, in just a second. And so let me point this out. Notice that Paul says, tell Archippus. Notice this. Why doesn't he just say, hey, Archippus? <laughs> Did you see that? And he says, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. Why does he add this thing on at the end? Almost like it's like an afterthought. And he doesn't direct it to the guy, but he says, hey, you, I want you to tell this person. And, and really, he's telling him something that's already written in the uh, earlier part of the letter. And so, so here's what I want you to hear. <clears throat> is that by God's design, there are some times that He is going to speak through you. Do you see this? That he, Paul could have said, hey, Archippus, do this. He says, no, by God's design, he says, hey, you guys that are reading this letter, I want you to speak the truth of God to this person here. Or I can say it this way, is that guys, and, and please, please receive this, for many of you, you are the only Bible someone will ever read. Are you with me on that? For many of you, you are the only mouthpiece of God that someone will ever hear. And remember, that's what God does. He says, anything I'm going to do on earth, you know how I'm going to do it? I'm going to do it through the, the next uh, election. 
He says, anything on earth I'm going to do, I'm going to do it through the president. Anything on earth I'm going to do, I'm going to do it through people reading the Bible. No, he doesn't say any of that. He says what? Anything on earth I'm doing, he says what? I'm doing it through who? Through my church. And this is why we constantly have to preach the church here because even in our Christian culture, the Christian culture we live in in Tyler, Texas, does not preach the church. The, the Christian culture we live, we live in preaches an individual, isolated Christianity that I don't need you, I don't need you. What it means for me to be successful is to be able to look at everybody in this room and say, I did this by myself. I don't need any of y'all. And you will find that nowhere, nowhere in New Testament theology. In fact, the opposite is true. This is why Paul constantly preaches the church. It's that it's God's plan that we come together, that we're greater together than we are separate, that we actually need each other, and that the greatest freedom, this is 1,000% countercultural, what I'm about to say, the greatest freedom comes from complete dependence, okay? Not independence. Don't confuse freedom and independence. Those are two different things. But in our country is that we, we think that freedom means independence, right? July 4th is Independence Day, and we celebrate our freedom, Those are two different things, guys. For the Christian, the greatest freedom is found in complete dependence, okay? That wasn't even in my notes. That was for free. You're welcome. Um, I have written here, someone needs you to be the mouthpiece of God. Uh, By God's design, you are the Bible, okay? Um, If you ever ask me, hey, Russell, have you ever heard the audible voice of God? That's a weird question, right? If you ask me, Russell, have you ever physically heard the audible voice of God? Do you want to know what the answer is? The answer is yes. Yeah. The answer is 100% yes. Uh, Sometimes it sounds exactly uh, like Susie Howell, which is my mom. Uh, Sometimes it sounds exactly uh, like Scott Parrish, who's the pastor at Bullard Southern. Sometimes it sounds exactly uh, like my friend Kyle Trotter from college. Do you see what I'm saying? Because the Lord speaks through his people. And so do I hear the audible voice of God? Yeah, I have. Even some people in this room, I've heard the Lord speak through you. Because that's what God does. He uses his people. It's, and when, it's not a booming voice from the clouds. You know, it's just a still small voice coming from a friend or a fellow believer or a Christian. By God's design, guys, you are the Bible for people. You are. And so, and I'm just going to quote what Paul said earlier. Therefore, let your conversation be seasoned with salt and always full of grace. Uh, Okay, so go on from there. He says, verse 17, he says, tell Archippus. So again, he's saying, hey, be this message. Be the message to Archippus. Here's the message I want. He says, to Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. And so I want to point out something here. My Bible, I've got the old NIV, the 1984 one. That was a good year. I'll tell you what, Um, that was the year I was born. So a lot of great things came out that year. Uh, My Bible says, see to it. Uh, Some of y'all may say, take heed to something like that. Okay. But what I want to point out, that, that little phrase right there where he says, see to it, that in the original Greek language, it, it has a different meaning. It kind of has this idea of 
to, to see something physical, but with a uh, spiritual perception, okay? So this, that phrase right there, see to it, it talks about two things that we are to see things, yes, physically, but we also need to see things with our mind's eye, with a spiritual uh, lens on, if you will. <clears throat> and so the, the original Greek, when it talks about see to it or take heed, it has this idea of to have the power of understanding, to discern mentally, to observe, to perceive, to discover, to understand, or even to carefully uh, examine, okay? And so it's this idea of being on guard, this idea of discerning what's happening. This is not this is not Paul haphazardly saying to Archippus, oh, hey, don't, don't forget that thing you have to do. This is Paul saying with great intention, Archippus, be on guard. Use careful discernment. Uh, I want you to observe, to perceive. Archippus, be careful. Make sure that you complete the work you have received. And he's urging Archippus to not just see things physically, but he's urging them, him to see things with a, a spiritual sense, right? Through these spiritual uh, lenses. And this is what I mean when I say that, is that, is that guys, in, in the world, you're going to have trouble. That's a promise of Jesus. That's a quote from Jesus, actually. <clears throat> but the, <clears throat> excuse me. The greatest men and women in my life, they have this ability, right? They have this ability to see things that aren't there. Like they have this ability that when, when they encounter someone that is offensive to them or when they encounter someone that's difficult, they have this ability to, to not see that person, to not see the, the situation, but this ability to see past that person and to see this person is hurting, right? The, the reason this person's behaving this way is because they are hurting. Have you heard the phrase, hurt people, hurt people? Have you heard that? It's so true. Is that, and this is what Paul is urging Archippus. He's saying, don't just, don't just glance at things, you know? When, when, some, when you encounter someone at the store and they're a jerk to you, don't just write it off as, oh, that guy, can you believe that idiot, you know? Or, or when someone uh, runs through a red light to learn to recognize, yeah, they ran through a red light, but there's something happening inside that car, right? Not to mention the thousands of times that I've run through a red light. It's always because I have somewhere really important to be, okay? Y'all understand that, right? Sometimes I'll go through a light a little late, I will, but, but it's because I'm, I'm a little bit behind and I've got people waiting for me. But when all these other morons do it, they're an idiot, are y'all with me on this? That they're doing the exact same thing that I'm doing, but every time I do it, I'm excused. But when these other idiots, how did that guy even get a driver's license? What, you know, and you don't, you don't see, you don't recognize, my gosh, that even, to, even in this example to recognize, man, there might be a hurting mom in there with a crying baby. There might be a, a hurting uh, son who his dad just screamed at him, just railed him, you know, or just to recognize, honestly, maybe they just slipped up. Maybe they just weren't paying attention. This is what Paul's talking about when he's, when that phrase, uh, where did it go? See to it. He's saying, he's saying to look at things, not just from a physical standpoint, but to also recognize, man, people are 
hurting. And hurt people hurt people. Uh, go to Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll look at this in another uh, place here. <clears throat> Just this idea that everybody's hurting. Uh, not everybody, but a lot of people are. Everybody has a story. You know, I've told this story before as well. There was one time I was at Lowe's and I was making a return, or maybe it was Home Depot, um, and there was a long line. And um, I get up to the front, and the lady was helping me out. And I, you don't have to have your, you don't have to have the receipt to return. You can, you just have to have the card. Don't tell them I told you that. They may get mad because they're always like, do you have the receipt? And I'm like, no, they have the card. I have the card. And sometimes it's on one of two cards. I've got two cards I use for work. And there's this one time where I had to return something. And the lady, you could tell she was just having a rough day. You know what I mean? She was just, just not happy about anything. And I was trying to be nice. I think I'm a nice guy. I don't know. Maybe. Unless I'm thinking or it's, or it's bright outside, then I look like I'm really mad. See? Like if it's bright. And so, anyways... Uh, but I was up there and I tried to make this return and the lady's like, do you have your seat? And I was like, no, I have the card. And so I put the card in and then she's like, it's not on the card. And I was like, okay. And I said, well, it might be on the other one. And she did the, you know, the communicates a lot through just exhaling, through air leaving your body. I'm going to tell you how I feel just by, and so I get out the other card. And it's funny because in that moment, I had such a normal a, a normal response. I had that moment of, all right, Karen, do you want to, you want to do this? Like, this is my thought process, how quickly your brain can uh, go through all these things. I mean, in a split second, and I thought, you want to do this? Okay. And, and you know what I mean? I, I put on my gloves for a second, and I thought, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's dance. And I, I was readying myself to, maybe I was going <sighs> to back. I don't know yet. I don't know. But you, you, you know, we've all been there. Don't look at me like, you're like, what are you talking about? Yes, you all know. As I was thinking to myself, okay, it's like sarcastic comment is loading, you know, like, like on the computer. And, and I prepared to say something and something incredible happened is that this is what came out of my mouth. This right here is I looked at her and I said, hey, is everything okay? And, and the entire situation just just diffused. And at that moment, you could, you could see and you could feel all her frustration just melt off for a second. And she goes, it's just, I'm just having a long day. And I said, I think you're doing a great job, right? And in that moment, and that was, by the way, that was miraculous, God working through me, was to recognize, here, here's a Karen, and yeah, she's mad, but there's, there's something happening behind the scenes. There's something going on there that I don't see and rather than just, rather than fighting fire with fire, just, man, just be people, our conversation seasoned with salt and full of grace. First uh, Thessalonians, you should have just headed to the right a little bit. Chapter 5, I'm going to read this. This, again, this is in this, still in this context of what, when Paul says to see to it, he's, he's kind of painting this picture of be on guard, be aware. Something we say a lot is don't fall asleep, don't do it. Don't, don't fall asleep. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse uh, 4. This is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. He says, But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and 
sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Okay, so that, that entire verse 4 and verse 5, notice there's no exhortation there. What he did, what it says is he's just presenting theology. He's presenting gospel fact. Notice he doesn't say, hey, act, he doesn't say, hey, be the light. He doesn't say, hey, be sons of, of, of the daylight. What does he say? He says what? You are the light. He says you are sons of the day. It's the same thing that Jesus never said, hey, you guys need to be salt and light. What did he say? He said, you are salt. You are light. And so again, notice he builds the foundation on rock solid gospel theology and then he puts some practical application into place. Don't get those backwards. Uh, he says, verse um, 6, so then, so notice he says, here's what's true. Because of this, because of who you are, let us not be like others who are, what's that word? Asleep. But let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Paul just control C, control Vetus, by the way. Did you see that? Faith, hope, and love straight out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? So don't miss what he says here. He says, hey, don't, don't act like others who, who, who are asleep, that they're not uh, discerning right? The rest of the world, and you'll see this to be true, is that when something happens in front of their face, they take it as face value, right? And the rest of the world, what is the center of their universe? Who is it? It has two thumbs and what? Stand right in front of you. That all of us at face value, we are all the center of our own universe and that the world is asleep, that the rest of the world, there's no place for grace. There's no faith. There's no room for faith. There's no room for love. There's no room for hope that the rest of the world is whatever happens, happens. It's right here. It's right now. And the rest of the world does not see anything past. It doesn't. Okay. And, and this is why Paul says, don't fall asleep. It's the exact same idea of what he's talking about in Colossians. And you can see it all throughout Scripture, an exhortation to the church. Guys, don't fall asleep. And this is what I say a lot. I probably talk about it too much. But what you see on social media, don't believe it. The, the images that are painted of perfect families, guys, don't believe it. Don't fall asleep. Don't do it. Don't compare yourselves to others. When you start believing these horizontal lies, that's when you fall asleep. And if our, if our identity, I said this last week, if we lose our identi identity vertically, where will we always place it? Horizontally. We will. And if you catch yourself constantly comparing yourselves to others, because I do it too. I do it too on Facebook, on, on uh, Insta, Snap chatterbug, whatever. I'm a Facebooker. That's it. But I do it too. I'm, ju I'm, I'm just like everybody else. TikTok, huh? Relevant for the youths, right? Yeah. Guys, this last thing I'll say about it. Don't believe it. 
Don't believe it. Stay discerning. Uh, keep keep uh, see to it. Take heed. Don't believe that lie. Those perfect friends, the perfect family, the perfect vacations. Don't believe it. Don't believe it because people are hurting and there's always something going on uh, behind the story. Um, learn how to discern. Um, okay, go back to Colossians chapter 4. We've covered... Uh, five words so far. <laughs> Verse 17, tell Archippus, see to it. Okay, so this is Paul saying, hey, make sure that you do this thing. And then he says, look here, complete the work you have received in the Lord. And so I want to say three things on this. Number one, and I'll just go over this real fast. When it says complete the work, work is not a bad thing. Y'all know that, right? Work is different than toil. Work is different than labor. This idea of, of, of biblical work is actually quite life-giving. Um, is, is something that the outcome is far, uh, the outcome in return is far greater than the cost, okay? And so don't view this idea, because we, we kind of have this mentality of like, uh, even as believers, we hear this like, hey guys, there's work to be done. Like I'll say that a lot. Church, and please hear me say this, there's work to be done. Now that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It doesn't mean labor, toilsome labor, but it does mean that the Lord has appointed work for us. But make sure you don't have a bad taste in your mouth when you hear the word work. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. Uh, the second thing is I wanted to point out, he says, hey, this work, <coughs> <coughs> sorry, I'm not trying to get your attention. I actually have something in my throat. Uh, he says, hey, this work, is received from the Lord. Okay, so I'll say it this way. Um, guys, there are things that are given to us from the Lord, and then there are things that are not from the Lord. Um, and I'll say it this way, extremely countercultural. This busyness of our lives, that's not from God. I'll just say it. Th this absolute I don't have half a second to myself is not from God. Are you following me on this? This, man, this, when, when I, when Kinsey and I or whatever, when we go have lunch or dinner with a couple, and one of my favorite questions is I say, hey, what do you guys do in your free time? And the, this response right here, free time, what's that? Guys, that's not from the Lord. That's not right? And the scary thing is, is I'm starting to hear like high schoolers and middle schoolers say that. Did you hear me by the way? Is that we're teaching our children that I will, I will speak to high schoolers and say, man, what are you doing in your free time? Pfft, I don't have any free time. And they believe it. They truly believe it. Guys, that's not from God. Do you hear me? That's not from God. God's plan is that there's a time to work, but he says, man, there's also lots of time to rest. I want you to rest. So I want to say that busyness is not from the Lord. That's not God's work. I also want to say that uh, saying yes to everything is not from the Lord. Even saying yes to every good thing. I am right now very assertively trying to learn how to set up boundaries in my life. And I'm very assertively uh, trying to learn how to say no to some things, even some really good things, right? Um, a lot of it has to do with work. In the past month, 
I've just taken on way too much at work than I should have, and I'm tired. I am tired. And, and, there, and, and this is what I've started recognizing. And, and notice how I didn't just view it from a face value, but I wanted to see what was actually happening behind it, where there were days, and I'm not making this up, that I'd be driving home at 5, 5.36, and I would have this thought. I'm not even kidding. I would have this thought, time to give my family my leftovers. That's not from God. That's not from God. Even though at work, I may have made a lot of money that day. I may, because I, there's a lot of money to be made in building and remodeling. There really is. And there's some, there's some years I'll have a good year, some years not so much. Sometimes I run a nonprofit, not on purpose, I just don't make any money. But there, uh, yeah, sorry, that was stupid. Um, but guys, especially, especially men, there's this tendency of my job is to provide for my family and, and to, to, even if it means that I'm away from them. And guys, that mentality of, well, time to give my family my leftovers, that's not from the Lord. That, and notice, I'm not out selling heroin. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not out sleeping around. I'm out working. It's a, and it's a good thing. And so that's why I said saying yes to every, even good things, that's not necessarily from the Lord. And so I'm practically trying to learn how to say no to things. And I'm, I'm really disappointing people um, more than I'd like to. But, but why is this? Why am I so afraid of disappointing people? Why is that? Well, I could look at it from face value or I could look behind it and recognize, Russell, your identity does not come from what people think of you. Your identity is not, hey, Russell, behave like a son of the light. No, it's Russell, you are a son of the light. You do live in darkness. And, and your identity, Russell, doesn't depend on making everybody around you happy. And that's why, uh, man, one of the, promises. I don't make a lot of promises, but one of the only promises I make, and I've stood right here and said it a lot. Do you remember the promise? I promise you I will let you down. Do y'all remember this promise? I hope you do by now. I don't make many promises. Why is that? Because I can't guarantee anything. But here's one promise I can guarantee. I am going to let you down. If you're looking to me to save you, I will let you down. If, if you are looking for the church to save you, let me save you a bunch of time. You're going to be let down. If you're looking for God's people to be your salvation, you're going to be let down. Let me be prophetic for a moment. Let me look into the future. You will. I promise you. It's because it's not my uh, design. Look at, uh, go to John 17, flip there real quick. I want to point this out still just kind of on that context that the Lord does appoint work for us and it's so important to learn how to say no. John 17, uh, just start in verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. He's going to pray for himself first and listen to what Jesus says about himself. I've always found this uh, fascinating. John 17, verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this 
is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ who you have sent. Uh, Verse 4, this is what I want to point out. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work. Look, you gave me to do. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Jesus lived about 33, 34 years, something like that. He only had a ministry of about three and a half years. Right? Don't miss that. Why did he not stay on earth another 10 years? Have you ever thought of this? Why didn't he hang out for another 15 years? Man, think, just think of what we would have if he would have stuck around. He, he was only on earth for three and a half years. That's it. And in our Bibles, by the way, if you um, actually go through the Gospels and you count the days that we actually have of Jesus' life, we have about 52 days of his life out of three and a half years of ministry. Do the math, that's about 4%. We have about 4% of what Jesus did, not in his lifetime, but in his ministry. This is my point, is Jesus did the work God had before him, he did the work he was called to do, and then do you know what he did? He was finished, he was done. He didn't run himself end on end. He didn't run himself day and day and go, no, more, more. But the world will constantly preach at you, oh, you're taking time for yourself? No, you can't do that. You should feel guilty. Oh, you're resting? No, you can't. No, you need to go faster. We need to do more. Hey, whatever your sales numbers were this quarter, great job. Hey, next quarter, we need 5% more. And then the one after that, we need another 5%. This is the way the world works, is a constant pushing more and more. And, and please, if you're, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is important. There is, did you know there's enough time in every day to do exactly what the Lord wants you to do? There is exactly enough time every single day to do the work that the Lord has for you. And the Lord's work is life-giving. Can some of y'all just breathe that in? Anyone else feel overwhelmed? By the way, you don't have to raise your hand. Anyone else just exhausted? Anyone else just feel like, I've got to do more, I have to do more, because I'm, and it's this thing that we're, we build up these bigger homes and these nicer cars, and then these things end up owning us, and then we're chasing these things that we've acquired, that they've really acquired us. Anyone else just tired? That's a rhetorical question, because I know the answer, right? And the Lord says, hey, and, and even Paul says, hey, make sure Archippus completes the work that God gave him to do. And, and then when it's done, man, just rest. Just rest. Uh, last thing here, go back to Colossians um, chapter 4. I'll finish this up. <clears throat> so verse 17, Paul says, tell Archippus, see to it. He says, make, he says be on guard, persevere. I mean, be discerning. Don't, don't just haphazardly do this. He says, Archippus, complete the work you've received from the Lord. And I love this, that his, his exhortation is to, notice he doesn't say start the work. What does it say? Complete the work, okay? And so whatever Archippus had been up to, we're not sure, but he had started really strong, 
Um, and then the week after that, he, ah, this isn't as cool. And the week after that, and what happened was probably is that his, his, uh, his passion dwindled. And, and, and it's a good image of a man that is operating, listen to this, he's operating out of what? Out of his passion, out of his excitement. And if you try to live your life out of passion or out of excitement, what happens? Anyone been down that road, by the way? that over time, what's going to happen? The day, you're going to wake up one day and say, I'm not excited to do this, right? You're going to wake up one day and say, I don't feel like I have the energy to do this anymore. And this is what happened to Archippus, is he started something, and then one day he woke up, and it wasn't what he thought. And guys, by the way, this is the only way marriages last. The only way marriages last. If you build a marriage on feelings, if you build a marriage or any relationship on emotions, and here's the crazy thing, if I build my marriage on my commitment, one day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to roll over and you know what I'm going to do? Is I'm going to say, I don't feel like being married anymore, right? Or, or, and here are the words, I don't feel like I'm in love with this woman anymore. I don't, I don't feel like I can commit to this person anymore, right? And, and this is an exhortation from the Lord is complete what you started. This is why my marriage with Kinsey is not our commitment. It's a covenant between us and the Lord because I, and I'll just, I'm just going to be honest here. I, I regularly struggle with, I don't feel blank, right? Anyone else in any relationship? You ever looked at your kids and feel, I don't feel like being your dad today, (laughs) right? Right? You you ever, yeah, your children, oh my gosh, I don't feel, I don't have the emotional energy to do this. I can't do it. And this is why uh, we always want to be people of uh, faithfulness and dependence on the Lord. And so I have this written down in my notes that Paul says, complete the work I have, why is this here? Why is he urging him to persevere? And do you want to know why I need to hear this? Is because Russell McLennan is a quitter. I'm a quitter. I am. I naturally, if I'm left to my own devices, I'm a giver-upper. I really am. Um, If left to my natural devices, I give up on people. I really do. Um, And I'm almost, guys... I'm almost like a spiritual bipolar. I really am. Uh, some days I'm excited. Some days I'm not. Like I'm hot and then I'm cold. I'm yes and I'm no. I'm in and I'm out. I'm up and I'm down. It's wrong when it's right. It's black when it's white. To quote that great theologian, Katy Perry. She's given us a lot. Um, but this is, this is what I point out is that, and I've already said this, the reason I'm saying this is because I'm a promise maker. I'm not a promise keeper. Guys, I will let you down. We will let you down. Look at the people in this room. If you're coming to this church thinking this is the one, this is the group of people that won't let me down, we're going to let you down. I promise that. But our commitment to one another is not based on emotion, not based on feeling. It's this idea that we are born into a new family. 
and that we're not friends, but we're actually family, and we're actually related by blood. And there have been plenty of times, and she's not here so I can say this, that my sister and I have wanted to pull each other's hair out. But if the day ever comes where my sister says, I need a kidney, I'll go, okay, I'm there. I don't even have to think about it. I don't even have to think about it. Why is that? Because we're family, right? And so um, I'm a promise maker. Man, I'm not a promise keeper. This is why, guys, we need daily grace. I've got a quote here from John Piper. You, know, you may know John Piper. You may at least know the name. He's a, uh, a pastor and a, and a preacher and a speaker, and he writes a bunch of books. And I love this quote. He says, and this is how I feel too. He says, I am amazed that I am still a Christian. And that I am still a Christian is due to the fact that God has preserved me. That God has preserved me. And so this is why we always want to be people constantly that we're in, we recognize we are in need of God's grace daily. I said this last week, and I'll probably continue to say it for years and years. What's your favorite breath of air you've ever taken? This one right here. That's the best, that's the greatest breath of air. I'm going to ask you again. What's the greatest breath of air you've ever taken? Now that one right there. This is what it means to walk in grace. It's a daily, absolute dependence on the Lord. This is the only way Archippus is going to complete the work he started. It's not based out of passion. It's, it's not based out of desire or discipline. It's absolutely based out of I daily am at the mercy of Jesus Christ. The only way your marriage is going to last is to throw aside this idea that it's because of me. The only way you can get through whatever tomorrow brings is this daily need of Jesus. The only way we can do that is to recognize I am a complete and utter failure. I cannot believe I'm still a Christian. If it was up to me, I would have blown it a long time ago. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus and for his daily grace just to take one breath at a time. And there's, there's even, last thing I'll say, there's even in one of the Gospels, it's in Luke chapter 9. Uh, yeah, it is up there. You can look at it later. Where Jesus, the words of Jesus, you may have heard this, he says, Hey, he says, hey, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back, he says, do you know what he says? He is not fit for the kingdom of God. I'll say that again. Jesus says, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Do you want to know who that describes? Me. Do you realize I'm not fit for God's kingdom? Because, I, and I mean that, I'm not trying to argue semantics here. Why? Because some days Russell's on, some days I'm on fire, and then some days you'll see me blazing through a red light, <laughs> pointing out everyone else's faults. I'm this spiritual bipolar, and the only way we can complete the work that we have before us is a daily need of Jesus' grace. I am unfit. I want to go back. Like the Israelites in the desert. You remember that? After they'd been there a while, you remember they said, hey, can we go back to Egypt? And by the way, what was Moses' answer? He says, nope, there's no going back. There's, there's no going back. And so let me, let me speak this to you guys. Please make sure that we are completing 
the work that the Lord has before us. And then when the work is finished, guys, just rest. Just rest. Just relax. Right? We need to be people of life and light. And, and when the world says go faster, 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 we need to say, no, I've done enough because I have everything that I uh, need. Uh, so let me uh, pray for us here. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your message to Archippus. Lord, I pray that we would see to it that we complete the work you have received or we have received in you um, and that we would be people um, of just discernment and we'd see, we'd remember people are just hurting. God, people are just hurting. And we would see what was happening behind face value. Um, I pray that we would be people um, of faith and hope and love and that we would not try to behave like people of the light, but that we'd know that's who we are. That's who we are. And Lord, teach me, teach all of us to, what does it mean to depend on you? Just one breath at a time, every single day, that we would absolutely depend on Jesus. And not if, but when we fail, over and over and over, that the grace and mercy of the Lord would shine even brighter then. And that we would recognize that God expects more failure out of me than I do out of myself. Because He knows. But that we'd know that it's paid for. And so this is what it means to walk in light. To walk in grace. To walk in freedom. And Lord, that we would see people set free. That we would see people, maybe even in this room, set free from busyness. Set free from perfectionism set free from guilt of taking care of themselves. We'd see people walk in absolute freedom that maybe they've never, ever had before in their life. And Lord, some of us carried in a thousand pounds of weight. And I pray we'd, just, we'd cast it off. Because that's not from you. That is not from you. That is not from you. It's not. And I pray that we wouldn't carry it around. We can choose to, but I pray we wouldn't. And so thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you that we're free. Um, and thank you that this is a place where we can come in and say, I'm in a bad mood, <laughs> and, and that it's okay, uh, that we don't have to pretend. I'm, I'm just done pretending. I'm just done. I don't have time for it. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't. And so, God, we just pray again. Lord, send us uh, disciples. God, send us disciples. Show us how to make disciples, set captives free. That's our prayer. Amen.